Welcome to Lore Citizen, a podcast dedicated to all things Star Citizen lore. If you enjoy this, make sure that you like, subscribe, and follow all of our social medias. Without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another Lore Citizen podcast. It's not three months. It's been a month almost, even probably less than a month since the last one. So we're getting back onto the saddle. As always, I'm joined by uh, Jail and Al. Um, Let's start with Jail. Who are you? uh, What do you do in Star Citizen and where can they find you? I'm Jail. I'm mostly known for getting really invested in alien languages. You can find me on my YouTube channel, my Twitter. I haven't been doing a lot lately. I've had a new job that's been taking me pretty busy, but uh, I've been keeping on top of that horse in terms of like new stuff coming out. So, yeah, there's been a lot of cool stuff. The uh, the the Tavarin story has been really cool for for people. I did a video on it, and people were just like, "Wow, that's really cool." It's like, yeah, it's it's nice that they're finally getting into some of that stuff. So, uh, and Al, who are you? What do you what do you do in Star Citizen, and where can they find you? Well, I have two personas. I'm Al Garrett, and I'm also old man Al Hurston, Paul's, <laughs> Paul's favorite uh, employer. Did you, um, have, you, have you been have you been saying your 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 healing uh, affirmations from Maria Hurston? Uh, I, I will be grateful for the cure uh, care given for me. I will focus on my positive energy rather than on the pain. I will put faith in those responsible for me. I will actively dedicate myself to feeling better today. I will repay this gift of life with hard work and renewed commitment. Maria Hurston's. Okay. I'm really <laughs> glad you, you remember that. Uh, that Paul, you know, uh, you remember that uh, uh, workers need to learn how to work well from their from their betters. Just just remember that one. Uh, but you know, I taught Maria all all those things of, of how to care for things, and That's... you'll know that I do look. I, I do. Uh, I'm very appreciative of the care I'm given by my barkeep. <laughs> for those of you who don't really get the, the references, you need to go to 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 Lorville for for uh, for three seventeen. It is it is completely different. It is fantastic in terms of getting the atmosphere. They couldn't. They've nailed it with just just the addition of Maria and a little other things. So we're getting off track. Uh, what, what what do you do in Star Citizen there, Al? Um, apart from fly many spaceships at different times, um, I am mainly, certainly in terms of streaming, um, one of the info runners where we do, often we'll do things like fix my fleet, although they're getting rarer these days. <laughs> Everyone seems to say, oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've done that. I've done that. Um, but yeah, talk star citizen, love talking law, love delving into the law and, and looking at the possibilities that are out there. Um. That's probably it, really. Yeah. Nice. And of course, obviously here. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and and here. Yeah. Before before we get started, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube, like the video, subscribe if you want to see more Lore Citizen and other content like this. Uh, I do other Lore content. Hopefully, you've seen that as well. Uh, and of course, follow these two wonderful folks. And uh, yeah, let's let's get to this to to the to the topic at hand because today's topic is story time. Stories from the Star Citizen universe. Not just any stories, but stories within stories. The fiction of the Star Citizen universe. Which surprisingly has a lot. Um, we, we, I think we were surprised by how many there were, weren't we? As we, as we were we, going we, through. we knew there was a lot, but we went, oh, crap. Yeah, we kept forgetting ones. Like, there's little ones that kept like popping up. Like, oh yeah, that one, that one. Um, and, and for some context... For those who don't know, a lot of the early content from Star Citizen was basically just these stories. Uh, before there was even the hangar module, 
there was a lot of lore build up uh between uh like lore makers guides uh where they actually had the community pitch and fix some some of the issues uh, that they had in lore or new ideas in lore and the, the these stories and uh wings hanger and a bunch of other stuff like that that was all we had so there's a lot of stories out there so i've i've heard the reason why this this step i'm doing this episode we're doing this episode is me personally i've had multiple people ask are there like novels for star citizen you know like that you have with other ips and while star citizen didn't have like a novel yet it does have these stories which helps you kind of get the idea of what, what entertainment is like in the verse so and and the other thing with these stories is they they, they do get broken into two factions as the straight out fictional stories that are just stories in the verse that are there and then there's the historical fictional stories which take on elements of history but then weave a tale that picks up those elements. And so you've got this, this two sides of the fictional story. And then besides that, we've actually got the actual lore. Yeah. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm, we've said it before. I'm always staggered when people say Star Citizen has no depth or has no... Yeah. Yeah, to me, it just, it's insane. How can you say that? Clearly, they haven't done their research. <laughs> um we'll get started let's get started uh just with with the discussions i'll start with mine uh which is uh the first story ever written about star citizen in star citizen which is cassandra's tears starring the my favorite character in the entire star citizen universe who is a real person in the star citizen universe and is a member of squadron 42 who you see in the trailer I lost my mind when I saw him. It's the one, the the only, the lovable rascal Cal Mason, who is uh, he's just a great, great character. He's he's a he's a cliche of cliches, and that's why he's just so fun, so fun and awesome. And the idea that he has a fictional kind of Indiana Jones esque James Bond style uh, like novel series written about him in the universe that he currently lives in as he's serving in the military is kind of insane, and I love it. It's 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 very pulp fiction, and I'm here for it. Um, so the story of Cassandra's Tears follows um, something surprised me. It just starts off with Jail's rest or Jail. I was going to mention Jail because. Jay, this 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 part is going to uh, jail will like a lot, which is uh, Cal was resting in the medical bay because he had taken some sort of major injury while rescuing a Xi'an uh, ambassador. <laughs> he went in. And, and if you could see the camera, Jail's got this, suddenly had this grin go from ear to ear. <laughs> you know, as you do, just, you know, just rescuing ambassadors. And he was getting chewed out for it, too, because he decided to do it with style. <laughs> so he and was he in the... Left-handed? Yeah. <laughs> um, he, he was in the hospital or in, the, in, the, in the, the medical bay, and he's, like, crawling out. He crawls out of the medical bay, like, holding his side, walking to the briefing room. He meets his wingman, who's named Polly. And, um, you know, she's, she's like, oh, you're at, you, you got discharged. And he's like, no. And she's like, go back to the medical bay. The old man's not going to like her. Grandpa's not going to like it. And he's like, shut up. I'm going to go anyways. Uh, you know, they, they kind of exchange a little bit. He calls her kid. And afterwards she says, Hey, Cal, stop calling me kid. That kind of thing. They're, they're squashing, you know, bickering kind of thing. He shows up at the briefing room. He meets the old, the grandpa, who's this 
stereotypical grizzled admiral who's been through dozens of engagements who's who's got like scars on his face who's done multiple secret operations and is now an admiral and like in charge of this section of squadron 42 and everyone calls him grandpa but no one says it to his face sort of thing um and it's important to remember that this is fiction in fiction so this would be like a novel you that that kids would read at like you know for for entertainment or like a like a tel- tv series i imagine this would be a great cartoon um you know for for, for the for this the universe uh he gets chewed out he ends up leaving um because he's like i i put me back in the flight rotation put me back in the flight rotation the admiral's like you're literally holding your side no go go back to the medical bay uh and then alarms start blaring and people start scrambling because the van duel showed up where they were which was in centauri uh, and this is the part when I realized the first time I read it and when I reread it recently, why I love this so much, because they're in the Satari system and the Van Duel are raiding Yar, which is one of my favorite systems in, in, in the verse at all, which is this desert, like s- Southwest old mining town sort of concept where uh, Tumbral land systems was, was found in. And here are these Vanduul coming in to raid this no, middle-of-nowhere kind of dusty ghost town. So you already know something is weird when you realize that. So they go down. There's some epic dogfighting between Cal because Cal manages to sneak into one of the fighters. Um, and to, to highlight how old this story is, his fighter is just called an anvil. It's not called a hornet. It's just called an anvil. So there's like a, I feel like he was maybe given like a post-it lo- note of law and that was about it to work yeah. on for this. <laughs> um let me see if I can find the names of them. Uh there there were three ships, which were zippers, anvils, and cestuses. Now, I have been able to, based off of what they, they described, I have an idea of what they are what they are. Anvils are supposed to be hornets, zippers are supposed to be gladiuses, and I think cestuses are supposed to be uh, likely Gladiator. maybe gladiators, but they're supposed to be dog fighters. So I'm assuming that they're, uh, and they're, uh, they're Avengers because yeah, uh, that it, makes it, sense at the time. That's what, those were the ships that they had been made, but I mean, Gladius didn't exist, but it was the idea of, cause they call it like a light fighter. That's, that's only defense is its speed. So that sounds like either an M 50 or, or a Gladius. So they did later reuse the name Cestus for a capital ship, uh, the UES Cestus, which and gets also, mentioned at uh, Invictus. And they also reused the name of the ship because the name of the ship they were on was called the Gemini. Ah. And, uh, when you when you said the Cestus, I was thinking of a mild fist, so which was what made me think of the Gladiator, because you know torpedoes would be the, yeah. the fist of the, the ship, but. Again, so early. <laughs> yes, that, that tells you how early it is. They still didn't have the names right. They even mentioned scythes, but they also mentioned Vandal Raiders, which I think are stand-ins for glaives. They could also be stand-ins for uh, the, the, the light fighter that I always forget. The blade. The blade. Yeah, it could be the blade. Um, but we get to meet, uh, during this, this dogfight, we get to meet uh, the Black Wing, I think is what he's called, who's a... Uh, like a, like a he's a Vanduul ace, uh, and both Cal and Penny can't take him down, 
they do a great job of of being like, oh, well, I knew like Cal looks over and sees one of his friends who he knows is a pretty good dog fighter. It's him and like two other other fighters who are going after this 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 Vanduul fighter with his black wing. And he's like, ah, they'll he'll be fine. They'll take him down. And he he just slices through the black wing. Just like slices through all of them, and and with his with his with his uh, blade attached to his ship. Uh, and then Cal and Penny are desperately trying to fight him, and they're t- double teaming him and still losing. This the whole this guy's overpowered as heck. Um, until finally Cal manages to 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 not beat him but scare him away because he's too tough. Um, in the meantime. We have a straight up scene from Wing Commander movie where the Gemini is trying to take on the Vandal flagship, which is which is sort of this 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 whole thing. And it has my favorite trope in Star Citizen, which is a capital ship going into atmosphere and trying not to crash. Because, again, it feels like in the Star Citizen universe, admirals have to flunk physics in order to get promoted because all admirals want to do that. Uh, so he managed to do some, some shenanigans and fight off the, the Vandal, but they, they're, they're pretty evenly matched. Eventually these Vandal fly away to, to a desolate abandoned outpost and Cal chases after them while everyone else is trying to retreat because of the, the battle in space is getting, you know, dicey and Cal jumps out of his fighter, pulls out his pistol, runs through the, the, the abandoned outpost, the, the, the Vandal are gone, but then he finds out that the stuff that was there was stolen. There was this, there's stuff there. There was this was a research outpost that had been abandoned. They'd stolen some stuff. I'm not going to go through the entire story because I think people should read it. But I will say that Cal basically decides to do the most Cal Mason thing and just chase after the capital ship with his fighter while everyone else is going back to the uh, to the Gemini because he knows that the, that the if he goes the UEE will chase after him because he's over there. Because he's just, it's like, no, no time to talk. I just got to fly. Because he knew if you went back to the ship and talked to the Admiral, the Admiral would be like, oh, okay, we'll send in, a, uh, we'll fill out this form and we'll send out a party maybe in five five to ten weeks, depending on postage and, you know, that, that sort of bureaucracy. So he's just like, I'm going to go. Uh, goes there, manages to get captured by the Van Duel, gets saved by human pirates. It gets crazy uh he ends up getting into a fist fight with a pirate escaping with an M- a p52 it goes off the chain it is one of those stories that is just an adventure story from the beginning to end and if you want to get a good idea of like how squadron 42 is going to be because this was obviously written around the same time the squadron 42 story was being like pitched this is a good kind of context for it well, yeah, I, I like the bit where you talked about the P-52 there, because I know you, you mentioned earlier that it, it, it has that, fa- my favourite ship, the Constellation, um, and the P-52 leaving the hangar bay, i.e. The, what we now call the cargo bay of the, of the, of the Connie. So it's a, a throwback to the original design of the Connie as well, which is also nice. Yeah, it was, it was nice because you even mentioned like that the, the, that the boxes were stacked around the P-52. Um, Cal mentioned that he uses used the P fifty two as his own like trainer ship when he was younger. So he's like, I I know this ship from from beginning to end. Um, and it even starts with like a nice little each each installment has a little white box section which are supposed to be read like 
In our last installment, a distress call went out from as Vandal Raiders hit the Centauri system. Cal Mason went against Admiral Shotel's orders and hoped in a, uh, hopped in a fighter to help Penny and her wing while the Gemini braced itself for a clash with a Vandal ship. It's supposed to be that kind of, you know, serial era big announcer. Kids, if he's, it, kid, kids annual um, or boys annual omnibus type yeah. books with, the, with that. Nice for um, subtle uh, UEE Navy uh, recruitment drives, you know, get yeah. people thinking awesome. So, yeah, Cal yeah. Mason, poster child of the UEM. Yeah, that's the, that's the weird part is that Cal Mason is the poster child of the UEE because he is he disobeys orders every five seconds, but he does it the right way. Um, there's a great loyalty test they put him through in one of it where the, the one of the pirates is like, join us. And he's like, and, 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 and backstab my friends. Um, well, they won't know. They think you're dead, but I will know. And that's what matters. It's like, oh, this is so corny. I love it. He <laughs> reminds me of, um, it was interesting because you, you said he's like Indiana Jones. Yeah. As you were talking about him chasing after the Van Duel, my thought was he's like Han Solo. And what's, what's funny is both, both characters were played by, by, <laughs> yeah, same, by Harrison Ford. Like yeah. Uh, the the actor who plays him in the game is is pretty good too. Um, I had to look him up, uh, but I'll look him up again. Uh, the actor who plays him is called uh, Jack Houston, uh, who is he was in. Look this, this IMDb real quick. He was in uh, House of Gucci. He was in the Fargo TV series, Antebellum, Manhunt, Earthquake Bird, The Irishman, Do Not Disturb. He's, he's in one a lot of, he's, he was in Ben-Hur. He was in Hail Caesar. He was in Pride and Prejudice with Zombies. Uh, I'm trying to say, he was, he was one yeah. of those kind of guys. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a pretty, a pretty decent uh, CV he's got there. Yeah. So, and he's, he plays the, um, the, the, the Cal Mason in, in, in Squadron 42. And you've actually seen his face if you've seen the, the trailer for Squadron 42. He's the one who says, um, Tally's on me. Let's say hi. That's Cal. So, yes, that's, that's, that is. I would suggest anyone who wants, who's interested in Squadron 42 read the Cal Mason story. If you, if you, that is, that is, encapsulates what Squadron 42 is going to feel like. So, I think you've sold it well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love it. So I want to talk about it. Um, uh, Jail, you had your own story you wanted to tell us? Oh, yeah. So I, I'd like to talk about Void Rats, which is another very, very early story. But I think that has some of the little rough edges sanded off. Um, uh, I think to understand Void Rats, you've got to understand the context under which it was published and its writer. So. Uh, this came out in the first volume of Jump Point, which is the monthly subscriber magazine, if for people who don't know, and that started in 2013. Uh, it came out first in the fifth edition, so we're talking about, what, like May 2013. And just to give you an idea of how old that is, the other articles in that issue were the Galactic Guide for Earth, the work in progress for the Aurora, and the portfolio piece for Robert Space Industries. So we're talking about the very early kind of like 
oh, here's the first edition of all of these ideas that we're going to be having in this magazine. Um, now, the author, though, were, bears thinking about, because it's um, a guy called Doug Niles, who hasn't really written that much for Star Citizen uh, besides this, but is a fairly uh, accomplished uh, fancy writer. He's best known as a, uh, writing a lot of the books in the Dragonlance series for Dungeons & Dragons, and he's written a lot around like RPGs. And Paul is going like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so we we got a really great pro author here um but he's obviously really uh, picked up on i think some of the really essential themes of star citizen and got enough of the detail around it to um infuse it with stuff that really plugs into the game that still is exists today I think it ends up feeling quite Tom Clancy-esque. It's a bit of a Tom Clancy story in that it's peppered with lots of bits of information that are factual, that are based in the what is, you know, in air quotes, the real UEE and the real UE Navy and so forth. And using that as a setting to go off on this kind of like crazy adventure romp. It's quite a short story, and I don't want to discuss the plot too much to do that giving it away. It follows a military commander called uh, Lieutenant Commander Naya Antoinette, and it starts with her kind of finding herself in a bit of a bad posting with her squad, the Void Rats, and then it flashes back to how they ended up there. And um, it becomes a sort of a bit, a little bit of a sort of vengeance story, a bit of a conspiracy mystery story. Um, and it's, it's, it, it really kind of, uh, like I say, it has a lot of details, but they're actually then things which are now up to date. So you've got, they are talking about the Hornets and saying, oh, why have we got the Hornets and we haven't been upgraded to the, the Lightnings? Those are the ones we really want. They're all posted to this um, aging battle cruiser that has been converted into a carrier, which is the only time they ever mention a battle cruiser in law, uh, called the Africanus, but saying, oh, I really wish we had been posted to the UES Paul Steed, which at the time was the Squadron 42 flagship, uh, a Bengal. Um, and it, it, the main story really revolves around uh, the action between this character, uh, Nay Antoinette, and then this very kind of I'm going to say the character again, Han Solo character, Sharona Serena, who owns a Mark I constellation. We currently fly Mark IV constellations. A Mark I is described in as having all these different features that we don't see on the current constellations. It doesn't have the P-52. It has um, an, like a, a bay where you can mount a really big gun and it has a two-person cockpit. So you get this idea that of... Um, a world that has existed before the time of the game. I think that's a, a beautiful thing to this story. Um, but I, I think the reason why I, I say, you know, having this really great author has been able to encapsulate what it is around Star Citizen is that you have this military commander and you have this Han Solo figure and together they, to me, represent Squadron 42 and Star Citizen, which were thought of as these two things. We have in, when you play Squadron 42, we're going to be stepping into the role of a Naya Antoinette-like character. Whereas when you play Star System, many people want to be the Sharona Serene-type character. And in here, you get to see your two, essentially your two player characters playing together. And I just, I just really think that that's what he was trying to accomplish by writing this story. To say, um, these are the two sides of this world. This is the kind of universe it is where there's a 
big military and it's threatened by external forces like the Vandal. Uh, the technology is it's a bit of a decrepit um, empire where not all the technologies are really that great. Um, and I think it just I think it just sells an idea uh, after after a few months of development of a few months of um, trial by fire from some of the ideas of Star Citizen, you really start to see I think the the nature of the game in this story and the nature of the 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 setting. So that's why I think you should read the Void Rats. That sounds awesome. Actually, I haven't read the Void Rats and heard about it. I think it's because it was a jump point thing. That, that's the other thing to important yes. to remind a lot of people is that a lot of these stories are published in jump point and then some of them end up published onto the website. Yeah, I don't think this one's been published onto the website. It's only available in uh, the volume one of Jump Point um, uh, uh, issues 5, 6, 7, then 11, 12, 13. Uh, so I really wish they would republish it because I don't think there's anything in it which really conflicts other than because it has so much detail, which is factual, You some, some of the more fantastical elements towards the end, people might mistakenly think that they are like real. Um, but it, it, I think it clearly is a fictional story. I remember reading the story way back when, and I can remember the the, the reference to the the cannon at the back of the the Connie, which which was also pitching into the fan um, the backers' desires, because this was at a time when the Connie was um, people were saying to get the P fifty two out, you've got to depressurize the whole ship, or um, the P fifty two is not going to fit, and all of these all of these types of uh, things so people were clamoring for this redesign of of a, of a Connie because the bathroom was right in the tail section, the beds were at the back, all the crew were at the front. So if the ship needed to evacuate, yeah, you'd, you'd never get to the the escape pods because they were just so far away. So there was this, there was this massive drive to get the ship redesigned. I, I, in some ways, I look back now and I think it was an error because we lost that iconic um, hangar bay. For, for the Connie and and that made that made you have to make choices. Do I take a rover? Do I take a P fifty two or do I take my cargo? So, but in this in that story, I remember I remember as the the, the cannon in in the back had been jury rigged. It wasn't even part of the original type of thing you'd have got with a Connie Mark Mark One. It was kind of the pilot had kind of yeah we can put it in yeah we're, we're going to make it fit and they did. And it was it was kind of it's not even a standard Connie. It's one that's been modified and jury rigged and it was kind of picking up those types of things way back then that was thought you'd be able to do with your ships yeah it's very much like like i say i think the comparisons to sort of hand solo and the malone falcon it's got some tricks up its sleeve that your standard one shouldn't have and hidden missile racks and so forth which is obviously a little bit kind of beyond what we'll ever really be able to do with customization but it certainly is selling the idea of of um the set out into the stars in your ship which is your home and your tool and your business and everything so um interestingly enough i looked up the 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 writer um and you, you mentioned that he it's it feels very uh tom clancy-esque he actually wrote for the board games for tom clancy's no, uh, uh novels hunt for red october and red storm rising so and his um uh, he also did alternate history novels for World War II, um, and also uh, his daughter was in the. Uh, oh, he also wrote a board game for 
the the Iraq War. Yeah, uh, his, and his, I mean, he's also he's also written nonfiction about yeah. war. He wrote about Vietnam, and he he himself served in Iraq. So he's um, he does have this background, although he's mostly known for fantasy novels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he, he's it's that's probably where it, like I, I like that he grounds it. Like let's take the realistic aspects of this and ground the story before we send you send you off into a fantasy world <laughs> or not fan, more fantastical elements. So yeah, I mean I think that's exactly why people like Tom Clancy books, right? Because they they're not just completely made up. They they involve real places. You know, you you want to set you're going to write about the U.S. Navy. You set a story in Norfolk. You don't set it in um, like. Uh, or, or on a real ship, you don't just make up a ship. Um, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work as well. And that's exactly what he's he's doing. And I think, I think the best, um, the best sort of star system stories, or just sort of meta stories in general, use those those details properly. And I think this one does use it very properly. Awesome. Yeah. Al, what is your story that you're bringing for us? I, I was I was torn when I was when I was first starting off. I I, I was thinking Void Racks. It's one of the stories I. It was one of the first stories I read. I, I think I read that one and then went back and read all the other stories when I realised, oh, there's more stories. <laughs> um, but and that's the other thing. Like as as Giles said, there's you can go into the the uh, spectrum and look up a serialised fiction, and there's dozens of stories in there. But then. There's also stories that are in Jump Point that haven't yet been moved across. And I know or I understand that plan is to, over time, filter all those stories from Jump Point into the, the main the mainstream. But some of them haven't made it yet. So um, but there's a whole whole host of stories. And that's one of my is one of my favorites. But I, uh, I was torn between that one. I was torn between um, Orbital Supermax and... Um, which looks at the prison system and um, the different levels of banditry. One of the things I liked about that was the first inclusion of learning about um, the conquered race, the Tavaran, because there's a, an enclave of prisoners on that station um, and they fight with honour and all that Rejura type stuff coming through. There was the Instrument of Surrender, which again picked up elements of the Rejura and the end of the Second Tavaran War. Um, you can look at our Tavaran War series to see my takes on those two stories. Uh, there was also Whisper in the Dark, which was kind of this um, going to the um, the Hades system and checking out the uh, the Hadashians and, and their settlements, and so getting a bit of that story, but also this sense that it's haunted and, and things that are happening that could be real but could not. And they, they kind of drift into real fiction and historical fiction. But what I've ended up settling on was the Lost Generation. Uh, Lost Generation, I it's a Tonya Oriel tale. Um, our character, our key character is Tonya Oriel. She's an archaeologist. Uh, this is a very old story as well. Um, it's The Lost Generation, issue 10. So it's picking up that idea of serialised, serialised magazine. Um, the magazine being The Lost Generation, looking at the what happened or what could have happened. Uh, it was published on the 21st of March in 2013, so again, uh, very early. Um, and so it's right at the beginning of, of the story, in, in that story, you know, getting close to that beginning. And our story starts with the airlock inside Nagaya's uh, ship, and it opens, um, and Tonya is 
pulled inside. But before she does, she looks back at her ship, the Beacon 2, drifting into separate parts. And you think, something's going on here. Um, at this point, we don't know who Tanya is. We just know her ship has been destroyed and she's gone to an airlock of this, this ship. Uh, she's picked up by these pirates or these henchmen who take her off to see a fairly powerful character um, who is searching for um, the Holy Grail, just like she is. The Holy Grail in the UEE is the Artemis. What happened to the Artemis? The Artemis was that first uh, attempt by the UEE to uh, settle uh, distant star systems. Uh, it was the ship that had the AI um, program that went missing. Paul? Yeah, I, I actually just talked, did a video about, about the Artemis and why it's one of those those stories that, like people need to know. Like, this is the story of the Artemis. It's not really the story of the Artemis, which is what, it actually tripped me up. Yeah. This is the this is the other thing that got us all talking to us about this in the first place was I was like, oh yeah, the story of like the Lost Generation that's that's floor right and and both Jail and Al were like, no, that's fiction. It's fiction inside the fiction. I'm like, oh right, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So so yeah, this, this is to say if those of you who have been watching my stories or my my videos about uh, AI or discussion about AI and and especially the Artemis and Janus, this is the story you want to read. So go ahead. Sorry. And this is a great this is a great story for that um in the way that it works out. Tonya is on the trail of, um, in, in this story, the trail of the Artemis. But so is this evil um, mega oligarch, I suppose, is the best way to talk about it. Like They, they go to the Ossonian Aso system, uh, or Osso system. Um, and so you've got, you know, when I, what did I write in my notes? Uh, this story has it all. Uh, fighting, fencing, bandits, backstabbing, giants. Well, okay, Ossonians. Uh, Wild chases, discoveries, true love. Well, maybe not true love, but, you know, um, those who know, I'm, I'm chucking references to Princess Bride there, but this story <laughs> has it all. Um, and Tanya escapes the, the guy. She goes, um, Turov, uh, Turov Sensen is the, uh, the oligarch, and he's managed to pull in masses of uh, resources into the Oso system, and he's got drills boring of the planets and everything else. Uh, he is also trying to find um, the Artemis. And he's going to, they're going to kill off Tonya. They're gonna, she's got in the way too many times and Sensen decides he wants to kill her. But she says, wait, I've got something. How, do you, how did I find this system? And Sensen, yeah, yeah, whatever. And she says, I've got Janus. Now, for those who don't know, Janus was the name of the AI from the Artemis. And in the story, she has managed to get a copy of Janus. And um, that makes this quite unique. And what she's done is she's found uh, an early copy of, of Janus. Um, she's kind of run in the flight sims of where the ship had been or what they knew of the ship and then worked out this is where it was. So you've got this idea. And he says, oh, where is Janus? And she says, it was on my ship. And that, that ship that was broken in two at the beginning and drifting in space. They go down on the planet. And as she, there's this chase scene, they're going through these tunnels, they're the mining lasers boring down and melting ice and causing earthquakes and all the rest of it. She runs through. She's captured by Sensen. And as she looks up, Sensen notices her face in awe and through the ice. 
is a frozen human body, and it's a crew member from the Artemis. But the problem is the mining laser been melting everything. There's an earthquake. Sanson disappears into the void. He's gone. Yay! Uh, and Tonya manages to escape and get away. Um, it's interesting, though, because at the end, she goes back to the Beacon 2. And she pounce, she takes out, you know, gets out the um, Janus. And um, Janus says, hello, Tonya. Welcome back. Thank you. Do you have a course in mind? Sure do, Tonya plotted in the nav drive. Understood, Janus says. The system started to activate and pause. Would you like to fly? Tonya thought for a moment. Nah. You go ahead. And that's where the story ends. So we end up with Tonya back with her Janus um, simulation. So there you go. Which is one of the reasons I like this story. It kind of picks up that that um, the mystery of what happened to the, the Artemis. I... I uh, it, it, because it seems to disappear, is it the eye going wacko or the, the, the fact that it kind of encountered a jump point, which is why it disappeared? We don't really know. It's just one of those great mysteries. We just know it disappeared. But there's a whole generation of people who are missing, and hence um, there are 10 issues of this um, mythical magazine, The Lost Generation, uh, and we have an extract from issue 10, uh, which just, again, just adds to that depth of lore. Um, uh. I remember when, historical I, fiction. I remember the beginning of it because they find a piece of the Artemis on Stanton, of all places. They said find it in Stanton, and the way the way the way they mention it, it's like it's like the the air is horrible quality and all these sorts of things. It's like it's on Hurston. They find like an engine cowling on Hurston, which is how they get on that story in the first place. I remember there was a story in there about that, and yep. then. And and who is hiring them to to find everything? But Art Corp, Art Corp is hiring them to. Or no, it's not Art Corp. It's the mining company. Um, that's the main mining company. I can't remember the name of it. Um, look it up real quick. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember it either. Shubin, Shubin, yeah. Shubin found it buried in in rock, which was you know thousands of years old. Which sends them on the, in this whole journey. So, uh, yeah, it's it's Lost Generation's a great one to want to, to listen to. And I I really like Whisper in the Dark because if you are a fan yeah. of, I know a lot of people are big fans of uh, what's it called, of uh, Hades. It is it is like the Blue Man story. Uh, it doesn't yeah. picture the Blue Man, but it teases at the fact that the Blue Man is there. So and and the, the beautiful thing about that story is, at the end you get. You know, she's wondering why did I did I hear these? Did I not? And her space drifts around and it's damaged. And you go ah, and as she flies off though, there's another another little scene where there's a a small Hadesian artifact on the floor of a spaceship that wasn't there before. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's all this: is it haunted? Is it not? Is it real? Is it not real? Uh, but it's a great that's a great fictional story as well. I love that one. I love the character of Tanya because she's because she is is quite literally Indiana Jones. Like she is the star citizen Indiana Jones. She's she's a historian though is like her is her profession. So I feel her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feel her in my Which soul. Is, I, I think that's why I, I get attracted to her as well. Because <laughs> am I right in saying that she is a person who exists in the universe, and then this is a fictional story around her? I and I do think that to some extent, you know. Not not casting any aspersions here. 
they've t- they they have sort of retconned some of these to be fictional, and they intended them to be um, truthful. I, I I do I do actually quite um, respect that decision in the sense of saying they, they they've been able to put these stories out and go we don't we don't expect to be held to every single little fact in these, but these are kind of like the vibe. Yeah. Um, What what get me with uh, the Lost Generation and the timing of it is it's really around that time I think where CIG did, did the survey of the backers back then saying what do you want to do in the verse and they were expecting everyone to say piracy and dogfighting and everything else and I think it was like seventy percent of the the respondents said exploration and so this was kind of a well this is the type of thing you can explore it was kind of giving you that. Um, the first glance of, of the types of things that exploration would be, and 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 it's just one of the mysteries from the law. We don't know what happened to the Artemis. It's it's always been been that. It was, it was a bit like Vanessa trying or would have been, but that's been solved. It was a jump point. Um, I always thought that the Artemis kind of encountered a jump point and got sucked in, and that's why the you know why why Janus kind of went back over. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Well, I don't think we'll ever really know until we find the Artemis. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. one of those seeds of uh, something that they can work on. And we've already seen through the uh, the demo from uh, last year that Hadesian artifacts are going to be pretty... You know, that, that seems to be like a pretty solid MacGuffin for any kind of quest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think that's that's it. I, I I would suggest there are we just mentioned three. Uh, there are at least, uh, you know, Al mentioned like three other ones, and there there are more ones that we haven't talked to. And the, the where you find them, which is important, is you go to the uh, comlink. If you go to the comlink section, you look at series. If you click the series, you'll see a bunch of things like a gift for Baba, which is another one. If you want to know why the uh, moons of uh, Crusader got the names they did. It's based off of a in-fiction story called The Gift for Baba, which they then started to write, uh, which is also where we got the first reference of the Unification Wars, which is, uh, you know, early, early UNE history. Um, It also has Sid and Cyrus, Drifters, Lost Squad, Instrument of Surrender, Second Run, uh, One Last Job, uh, the... Brothers in Arms, Phantom Bounty, Knowledge of Good and Evil, Hostile Negotiations, Collision Course, One Good Deed. Tales of Kid Crimson. Yeah, the Tales of Kid, Kid, uh, Kid Crimson. I'm just like walk, like just scrolling down, but you'll see them in the series as their own names. And that's how you can tell the difference between a in-fiction story, a fiction that's a story which is fiction in the universe, and the lore posts. Because lore posts usually have names under, they actually have a section for lore posts as well, specifically. Um, so yeah, so you go through that and read those that I just, I just mentioned a bunch of them and a lot of them have multiple editions. Some of them go up to 10, 12, 15, uh, editions. So if you're, if you're looking for stories, if, you, if you're looking for some star citizen stories, like you want to know a little bit more about the universe, then these are fantastic kind of primers to get you to understand how the universe is supposed to exist in the heads of the writers. So. Yeah, there's also also ones like uh, Dateline. So there's a kind of stories looking at the the reporters and and their world and um and there's Old Jagger, the, the stories of Old Jagger, and they they're kind of not fiction. They're actually looking at the what those characters are doing. So there's kind of 
their take on the world. So, so there's, yeah, there is a lot of depth to to the uh, stories of Star Citizen. And may, maybe we should uh, do one of our favourite non-fiction series because we, you know, we looked at our fic- favourite fictions, but they're they're actually different threads of. Mm. non-fictional in-character stuff that we could look at in in a future episode. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, I will never stop, and uh, I'll never not like talking about Booty Call. Because Booty Call is my favorite. It's, <laughs> it is, it, it has a funny name, but it's literally one of the only perspectives we get outside of the UEE, because it's a literal pirate radio station ri- broadcast by a pirate. <laughs> um, so, like, that, that he's a, it, it, literally, so. I, on the other hand, I've always liked the Galactic Report, which is the <laughs> complete reverse. It's a, the news report, the, the nightly news channel um, mm-hmm. from the UAE. <laughs> so, yeah, they also have like Showdown was, and, you know. Yeah. I was going to go for Congress now. So, yeah, we, yeah. we've already picked, picked our topics for next time. We'll talk about it next time so you, so you can learn a little yeah. bit more. And some of them, they're all about different topics. And the other thing to, important about that before we, get, we go, and, and of course, this will be brought up again next time is that those stories are often the writers just sort of playing around with ideas based off of what they've already had or based off of things they've started to write for the game because uh so so these are those things as we'll find out next time uh are important little windows into the future of the star citizen universe so uh until then thank you for for listening and watching if you enjoyed this do all of the things so subscribe follow us on spotify or any other the the podcast stuff Make sure that you're following Jail and Al on their social medias, which will be linked down below. And as always, remember, Exostoria and Astro. Bye.